Music. Reviews. Chat. Poems. Comedy. Writing. Interviews. ELFM. It's radio, but so much more. Hello and welcome back to the Red Kite Radio Show, or maybe instead of welcome back, welcome to the Red Kite Radio Show. Today we're going to be going through a few things, which include a talk about a play that was recently on at the chapel called She-Wolves. We're going to be doing some song reviews, we're going to have a chat about democracy and leaders, and we're going to play a few songs along the way. And we're also going to have a chat about the play called She-Wolves. Okay, it will add, but I'm going to ask... For people's names rather than table. Hello, as you already know, I'm Amos. Hi, my name's Stephen. And I'm Johan. I'm Jay. I'm Peter. I'm Joseph, which is the coolest here, in it? And I'm Bethany. So, uh, I think let's just all make this a bit random and everybody just say a few words that come to your mind when you're thinking about the play. Shall I go first? Yeah, go Surprising. On Anybody else seen the play? A word. Sweary. Um, interesting. Quite intriguing if you get the play and the plot of it. Funny. Very political. Familiarity. Cool. Environmental. Entertaining. Jake, give us a give us a breakdown of the plot of the play, the story, for people who haven't actually weren't there on the night. So, in the play, there are two 14-year-old girls. One's named Lou and the other's named Priya. One is at a protest at the beginning. They, they're both skipping the same school. They both end up running away to the mountains and that ends up being a protest itself where Lou and Priya name themselves the She-Wolves. And is there another subplot about the, the parents and the carers of those two girls? Yeah, so... Lou's parents, well, Lou's mum is really strict and Priya has family problems. Yeah, so anything else, anybody... Well, that leads into the characters, really, doesn't it? So, Amos and Joseph, you're gonna, do you want to talk a little about the characters, Joseph? I would say Priya and Lou, which have the two girls, are quite interesting because they have very different personas, but they get along quite well. Uh, yeah, I agree. They're two sort of, like... They they form an unlikely bond because they're from two very different backgrounds, which are both related to class, related to their identities and their ethnic backgrounds, everything like that. And then they go on this adventure, each for different reasons, and they form an unlikely friendship. And I liked the characters. I thought it was. I thought they were funny. And one thing that I thought was that they felt very familiar. Like they both felt like people that I know in real life and people that I'm friends with. And yeah. It's kind of like a friendship, for example, Romeo and Juliet by Shakespeare. Both of them have a very unlikely bond, but in Romeo and Juliet, they're not allowed to be together. And it's, of course, unusual. Very different backgrounds, very different friends, people around them. But they still bond in quite a good way. Like, they've known each other for all their life. Yeah, I agree. I think that... um, I've forgotten what I was going to say then. (laughs) Let's uh let's just go into Stephen and Johan talking about the themes and key ideas of the play. Well, I thought when I watched the play, there was quite a recurring theme of, well, family issues. Because at the start of the play, we know that Lou has quite a strict <coughs> mum. And she's 
Well, her mum has high expectations for Lou, and Lou's expected to do quite well in her grades. Um, and for Priya, she's quite her family's like her stepdad was also known as racist Mike because she he was like really like awful to her and that's why she decided to run away. Was there a bit of a there was some news? She kept on looking at her phone, didn't she? Do you remember why she was looking at her phone and what the news was eventually? Um, Beth, I I think that like it's. She's got like news from like racist Mike about um, what's been going on without her being there, and it's like kind of sure that her mother was pregnant at the time. And racist Mike was obviously like, I think he was like being rude at the same time, but by the time she was like in the farm, um, she her mother gave birth, I think. But I think that, like, there's another, like, total message about um, the other character, um, that her mother expects her to do a lot of stuff and to be, like, a person who wants to be, like, a good like a good person to um, get, like, a higher grades <coughs> in her schoolwork and try to, like, get better scores and everything. Brilliant, Beth. Yeah. So what about the themes then? I would you say if somebody was saying, well, so what if I was gonna ask, what's the play about in a bigger sense then? What would it be about? Anybody who yeah, Jay, what do you reckon then? It was about protesting because it was about spreading the message and making sure everybody was able to spread what they thought and spread what they know. And yeah, did Priya wanna be part of that to begin with? Uh Priya didn't really want to be part of it. She, she just wanted to tell everyone, try to get away from racist Mike. So she was having her own... They both had their family problems, but they also had this big problem of, of the climate and all, and what to do about that. Yeah, fantastic. Do, do you think... Uh, did anybody have any criticism? Because at the <coughs> moment, we've all been very positive, so anything that we're not so positive about? Before I say this, guys, I just want to uh, preface, I did really enjoy the play. I thought it was very funny. But um, one thing, I thought the, the character development seemed a little rushed. It felt like they went from just sort of not knowing each other at all, and then all of a sudden they're sleeping over, and then all of a sudden they're going on an adventure, and they're best friends all over social media. I think... If if the play sort of took a bit more time to like show the their development as characters, like maybe having a few scenes within the school where they sort of started talking to each other, it's just things as simple as that, which add like a minute into the play. I think the characters would have been a lot better developed. Caitlin, any criticisms of the play? What you th- anything um, wrong with it? Yeah, I also thought that it were. I also thought that it was it. It looked like a show for kids, but there were a lot of swearing in it, and I didn't like that. Okay, I thought it was quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. So there was swearing in it. What did other people think about that? Because some people came away think, saying, oh, the thing I remember about it is the swearing. So what do you think, Johan? Um, <clears throat> it was just like the fact that uh, they got like, because they were 14, but they got like their attitude and like the way they act sort of on point. Like the way that Priya acted was like a normal uh, 14-year-old, but Lou was like, seemed to act like way more mature right i do like how when people say it's swearing it's usually because of it it's aimed at a teenage audience and i like how the main point of a play is to sp- spread about how we need to change climate change 
and how another big thing in climate change is we need more young people voting, more young people in power for political parties because young people nowadays are believed to have more knowledge and more sense of what should happen in the future. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, go on, Beth. I think that, like... It kind of like a good show to watch, but sometimes like there can be like a bit too much in there where you experience like sometimes there could be personal stuff in there, and you can you can also react to that. And there can be sometimes where you just like you want to like break down and stuff because you know that that might have happened to you or you might have experienced it in life. So it's kind of like um, really like rude or something. I don't really know how to explain it, but. It's kind of like spinning other people's experience, how they've travelled through life and stuff. Brilliant. And do you think anybody moved by it? Anybody feel emotional about it? The play, were they moved? Yes. If I en- was. Amos was? Uh, yeah, because it felt it felt like not only was it funny, but it was also heartfelt and it felt it felt very intimate and mature while also being full of comedy and swear words. And although it was written by somebody in their 40s, you reckon that they got the dialogue right for 14-year-olds? Yeah. What do you think, Stephen? I thought the play was actually quite relatable towards 14-year-olds because a lot of the jokes and script in the comedy was actually quite targeted towards teenagers. And it sort of, like, captured the life of a normal 14-year-old. Fantastic. Well, I think it's time to... uh, Yeah, go on. Um, I just feel like we're gonna. Everyone's just trying to start a revolution, but so on the theme of revolution, we're gonna be playing the song "Talking About Revolution" by Tracy Chapman. Don't you know talking about a revolution sounds? Don't you know talking about a revolution it sounds like a whisper while they're standing in the welfare lines crying at the doorsteps of those armies of salvation wasting time in the unemployment lines sitting around waiting for a promotion don't you know talking about a Gonna rise up, get there, yeah. Poor people gonna rise up and take what's there. Don't you know you better run, 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 And 
Hello, today we will be reviewing Smiles Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. How many of you have actually heard of it? Emily will be listening for the, the song first time, so let's hear it. happy in the start and quite exciting in the middle. Scarlett, what do you think about this song? Like calm, like in the middle, it, like it's like really calm. Like At the start and the chorus, I feel really happy and energetic because it was so upbeat. To be honest, I thought it, for all of the song, I thought oh, it was a bit of mixed emotions and also I was a bit confused. I think it's quite danceable because the drums and bass are quite quite rocky and loud. So now we're going to go around the table and share the images co- uh, that come in our head when we listen to the song. Uh, Scarlett, what image come in your head? So it, in like the beginning, it's like violence of like mm. happening with like a knife. All the way throughout the song, I thought it was as if there was a battle with katanas in an abandoned warehouse. Um, it makes me think of people fighting with fists for all of the tongue. Uh, make make me feel that at the battle, um, in at the wrestling match, I'm very angry because I lose it. And the image that's come in my head when I listen to the song is the man sadly and angry walking in the street at night. Thank you so much for listening and goodbye. Bye bye.
And we are back in the studio. So um, for those that don't know me, I'm Martin, for those that are listening. And um, I know that a couple of weeks ago, you've been watching this play, She Wolves. You talked about it earlier. Um, well, I, I actually was, was not able to, to come and watch it. So I, I was very pleased that you described it for me in the radio. Um, and I think that one of the big themes on, on that play is about taking action and taking, if you want, taking your future in your hands and making some bold decisions. So I want to ask you this question. If, uh, if you were able to vote, you know, there were some local elections last week and um, people voted for the local representatives uh, now Uh, most of you in this studio don't have the age that allows you to vote. But if you had that chance, if you were able to vote, um, what would be the defining quality of a person, of a candidate, that would make you choose over one person over another? What are the defining qualities of a leader to you guys? So, Jay, do you want to start? Yeah. So one of the qualities I would look for in a leader would be the willingness to do what the majority wants despite the consequences. Do you want to explain that a little bit? So it's basically that means doing what most of the people want, even if there's like one or two people that might react badly or might... So there might be bad consequences or bad things that will happen in response to what you do. Right, I like that. Being bold. Yeah. Nice. For me, personally, I would have someone who's commanding in charge of my country because if you have someone commanding as long as they have the right values it's going to be a country that flows well and if you get into war the enemy soldiers might be a bit discouraged because they already have a strong sense of opinion on your country and then obviously if they're they're discouraged that would have more for example the leader of Italy right now she might have the wrong values, but she definitely knows what she wants and knows how to command it. So if, we, if you were going to vote, uh, would you rather um, elect someone that, is, that you don't agree with, but is strong, rather than someone who shares the same values as you? That is a difficult question for me, because if someone has different values than me, but is strong, but obviously not going to be swayed from that path easily. But if they have the same values of me, but are quite timid, they're obviously going to be easily swayed away from that path. Mm. So I would probably pick someone who has different values, but is strong in their persona. What if this person ended up being Chairman Mao or Hitler? <laughs> what, what if that was what this person with opposite values, what if they were then going to kill loads of the population of your amazing country because of this amazing leader who's a fascist? Hitler wasn't really a fascist. Yeah, he, was. he was a Nazi. <laughs> We're not. Let's not have this debate because he was a fascist. I think. I think. I think. <laughs> I think. Um, Amos's point is quite interesting, and we will we will go around the table and maybe come back to the that. The thing idea. is, though. Okay. We, we'll get back um, to it. Personally, I would pick someone who makes a promise and sticks to it, no matter what anyone says, and as long as they've got good values, I don't care if they have different values. I'm not voting for them even if they stick to the promises. Okay, thank you. Uh, Personally, what I I see in a good leader is a leader that, well, says what 
they're gonna do and actually states what actions they're gonna take to benefit the country. Because let's say Donald Trump, his main message was make America great again. He didn't necessarily say what he was going to do and what his actions were and maybe what the consequences were going to be. And if you don't say your action or plan of action, then I find it hard to vote for you because uh, I'm not sure like what effect you're going to have on like my country. Okay, that's very interesting. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, Amos, what do you think? Um, for me, I think a good leader is somebody that, it, if we're saying on a local scale, somebody that genuinely loves the community, has like maybe grown up in the community, knows the community well, and then knows what the right things to do for that particular area would be. And then on, say, like a more national scale, somebody who wants what's best for the country and somebody who the people genuinely... um someone who has strong beliefs that would align with my beliefs even if they were even if they weren't an amazing leader if they actually had good beliefs i'd vote for them okay and i think uh, coming off of what stephen said about donald trump and his tagline make america great again i think yeah it's intriguing what stephen said about donald trump not being completely clear because saying again within the context of america is saying like in America's greatest golden years, in like the 1920s, it was the Roaring Twenties, apparently. But if you think about that, the the 20s were only roaring if you were a white middle class rich man, and unless you were a minority. Fair so, point. That's fair point. Well done. Thank you, Amos. Um, I would like someone who can be responsible for their actions if they've done something wrong in their. Um, communication with the public they're made of like a word or something that they might have said wrong and the community might like come at the leader and I want someone that would be responsible for whatever they need to be and um, they need to be like more like speakable to the people that want what they want or take some ideas from people to see what a leader can actually be. That's nice. That's interesting. So you are the first one to mention something like uh, not only being responsible, but I think you, you did say something like apologizing when they do something wrong, uh, owning to it and, and eventually changing course, which is quite interesting because most of you guys say it one way or another that stick to your opinion and go through. But sometimes leaders do get it wrong, in which case it's important to know how to backtrack and you know change course if people tell you that's what they want. Um, Emily? Um, what I think a good leader should do, um, and someone I would vote for, is to promise like, um, like a good change in the world, like make, making good things happen. And um, I want someone that I can trust and know that that they won't like um, go back on their promises, and someone who make makes the world a better place. Nice, thank you very much, Callum. What's your opinion? Personally, I think I would vote for someone who actually commits with the community, like take part, 
who takes part with the community. That's great. Um, thank you very much, guys. So um, we've had this great conversation, and I think what, what comes... Oh, uh, sorry, um, you want to say something else, Joseph? Yes. With Amos and a few other people, when they say they want someone who owns up to their actions and changes courses, nowadays in Western society, political leaders and things, they don't really own up because they would rather have... They would rather be stubborn and say they're that's right. What, that's why we're wrong. saying we want somebody that actually does. Yeah. But, but if you keep you're, so you're that, right now you're currently arguing no. for our point by saying no, this no, no, is no, what no, leaders no. are doing. We're saying we want a leader that's I'm not like that. I'm going for your point, but going against it if you listen to it. Because if you look for people like that, they are extremely rare. So, but if you keep looking for them, you'll probably miss someone who's already a good leader. But then if you look for someone who's already a good leader you're gonna, well, you can see people who already have done that before, had bad actions, fixed them, yada, 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 done good stuff, bad stuff, learned from the consequences. But thing is, if you just look for that, if you look for people who own up for their actions, it's extremely rare, so. Anyway, guys, I think this is a great conversation we are having, and we should definitely allocate some time every red kite to having a discussion about leadership and about political opinions. I think you're all very passionate about it. It's very and, interesting. And, and I, I love to see young people being passionate about your ideas. So that's great. Well done, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for taking part in this conversation. Now, we are going to have our last segment, which is another music review. So I'm going to let Juwaria take it from here. So um, we're going to review... Um, oh, my God. So we're going to review a song, it's called Rolling in the Deep by an artist that we all know and love. There's a fire starting in my heart Reaching a fever pitch and it's bringing me out the dark Finally I can see you crystal clear Go ahead and sell me out and I'll lay your ship Whoa, 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 whoa. We don't want that version. We want the version with the funk. So, there's this band called Dirty Roots, and they do cover, they've done covers of popular songs. For example, Baby by Justin Bieber and Rolling in the Deep by Adele, which is the one that we're going to review now. So, like, what's different about this is they've taken basically a song that's like, so like emotional and made it like really upbeat and take just take it and made it their own by adding like a number of other instruments in and like if someone had listened to just this version and not the other one they probably wouldn't be able to tell that it's a cover i think before before we continue to give a review of it like, let's hear the song Wow, what a version of an Adele song. In my opinion, the original song by Adele, um, Rolling in the Deep, is terrible. I'm sorry to any Adele fans, Agreed. but I just think that it's a very vanilla and boring song. There's not much to it. The, the chords are very simple. 
it's not very it doesn't progress it doesn't develop it's just a very vanilla song however uh this version i think is really good i really like the instrumentation and how they took a really boring very just mediocre song and turned it into this upbeat jazzy groovy funky almost psychedelic song and um i think one of my favorite bits is that like it's sort of organized chaos is what i would call it there's a lot of different instruments playing a lot of different things but it all sort of works somehow um i agree with amos and joaria actually um, they've made a good song um by adding their own uh, instruments and uh, making you want to dance to the their like their song um changing it from adele's original which is sounding very melancholic um i also believe that the song um, and the instruments that are put together was very well, um, and they know their instruments very well, and how to play them flawlessly to be able to make an amazing sound. Yeah, I quite agree, and I just want to say uh, I'm, I'm very sorry to any Adele fans. Um, if you listen to Adele, stop. Listen to something better. Um, Jewery, have you got any thoughts on this cover? Um. I basically said what everyone else was saying, and like it's just something really different. Like when I first heard it, it I'm not gonna it just it was not what I was expecting it to be. I was really shocked when I first heard it. Like I don't know what I was expecting when I was about to listen to it for the first time. Uh, now we're gonna play the song again. We hope you have a good day. Please come again to watch. But this is the end. We now have an interview with the actors who played in Shield Wolves. We hope you enjoyed. Um, do you reckon you could maybe just give us like a brief synopsis of what the show's about? Like, not with any major spoilers, but just like, so anybody listening at home might be interested. And now you put a lot of pressure on me. <laughs> um, 
So She-Wolves is about two 14-year-old girls, Lou and Priya, who run away to the Peak District because they both want to run away from home for different reasons. Along the way, they end up forging a very unlikely friendship because they're from two very different economic backgrounds, but also just personalities. They're very different. But it's about them forming a friendship whilst trying to make a difference um, to, like, find their voice, basically. It's it's a lot about finding your voice when you're young because the writer, Sarah, definitely felt like when you're younger, you often don't get taken seriously. Like all the things that you think are important, people will always say, oh, but you're 13, you're 14, you're 12, you don't know what you're talking about. But I think what Sarah, the writer of the play, wanted to put forward is that you can be young, you can be 12, 13, 14, 15, and have a lot of important things to say. And quite a lot of the important things, getting your voice heard when you're young and when people least expect it from you, really. What made you want to be in the acting career anyway? I think I've always wanted to do acting really um i actually did musical theater so i do um more like musicals than just kind of plays and things um so when i was younger i watched loads of musicals um and just kind of wanted to like sing and dance around i either wanted to be that or a teacher and i kind of went for the um acting side of things instead of the teaching side of things definitely not a science teacher though vera so it's okay um but yeah i think I don't know. I don't. I don't know what made me want to do it. I just. I just liked watching it. I was kind of like, oh, it's quite fun, like pretending to be someone else for a bit. Um, do you want to answer? Yeah. Um, I loved watching Bollywood movies. They were like my first love. I loved all the colours, all the dancing, the music, and I was like, I want to be a Bollywood dancing queen. I did not become a Bollywood dancing queen, <laughs> but um, I discovered theatre, and I think. At school, I used to talk a lot and I did used to get sent out of lessons for laughing a lot. And I think, well, it's not respect um, because I spent a lot of times uh, in the corridors. And that's when teachers would come up to me and go, Gerdot, you've got a good voice. You should put this into acting. Um, and then I did. I did lots of school musicals. And that's where my energy was kind of went into was creating stuff creatively because that's what I wanted to do. And it's what I then decided to do. So, yeah. How long does becoming a professional actor take? You can, you can decide to become whatever you want to be at any age, really. Yeah. So it can take any amount of time, whenever you decide that you're ready, I guess. Um, for me, I went from high school to college. And then after doing college, I went to drama school. Um, for a couple of people in our year group, it took a couple of years to get into drama school. For some of us, we came in straight away. And then that meant another three years doing like a university style degree. It can be really easy or like really hard. It's kind of about being in the right place at the right time. Um, I first, I did my first professional job when I was 12 because I did it when I was at school. So I got an agent and then your agent um, kind of gets you auditions and things and that's how you end up getting jobs. But now we've, I've been graduated for three years and obviously it was like COVID and things, but it took me like way over a year to get my first job after graduating because auditions can be quite tricky and there's so many people who are trying to audition for it. But it, it's experience helps. But I think it's literally, yeah, just if you want to do it, you've got to go for it and it'll happen when it's meant to happen. I was going to say um, for both of you, um, what's your favourite musical and what would you say is one of your favourite Bollywood films? Because I've seen like a couple as well. 
Oh, my favorite musical. This is a really hard question. Um, my first musical that I watched was The Sound of Music because I love that film. And um, I literally watched it from when I was like two. Um, and I used to prance around singing the songs. But I don't know if it's my favorite. Oh, what's my favorite musical, man? My favorite musical. No, it's not Les Mis. That's boring. I like Billy Elliot. Billy Elliot's a great musical. Um, it's called Om Shanti Om. And it's got Shahrukh Khan in it. He's like the Tom Cruise of Bollywood. And he is the bomb. Um, Looks-wise and in acting, I would say. But, um, but yeah, anything by Shah Rukh Khan in a Bollywood movie is absolute lush. I can see Joe Rory being like, yes, because Shah Rukh Khan is the one. Yes. <laughs> what? Where? And when did you guys meet? Um, we just met on this job. So it was actually last year because we did a tour last year and Edinburgh Fringe last year. And then we're doing um, another tour this year. So we would have met like March time last year um, on our first, first day of rehearsals. And now she follows me everywhere and I can't get rid of her. Are there costumes? And if there are, can you sew us them? So we do have costumes. Um, quite fun, vibrant, out there costumes. We've got ski suits. You can see them on the, yeah. yeah, you can see them on the poster. They're very stunning. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, they, they were just in that colour. But yeah, those are the kind of costumes we wear. All quite funky. We do wear school uniforms at one point. Um, uh, yeah, school uniforms at one point. We don't actually know where we're at. In Derby, we go to a school in Derby. Um, and we got grey skirts and your standard white school t-shirt. And then we come out in ski suits because we run away to the Peak District. Spoilers. But yeah. Um, but no, I won't say anymore. But yes, that is the costumes. It's pretty vibrant and like colourful and out there. So we've got a room people. Some people like acting and performing. Some people are musicians that work with Martine a little bit more. Some people are broadcasters and writers. And obviously you guys do acting, but... Could you talk about the fact that when we talk about the arts and theatre, there are so many different routes and ways of working from producing to tech to the process. It's not just about two people on a stage. Yeah, I mean, like you just said, there's a huge team of people. I mean, on like, so with She-Wolves, we're like a really small company. Um, and obviously it's the two of us only like on the stage. But behind that, there's like so many people and then at every single venue we go to when we're on tour there's then like five more people who've worked at that venue and then been part of it so it's just like an ever-growing team and if one of those people hasn't done their job the whole thing just wouldn't work so nobody wants to watch just me and Gurjot stood there and we wouldn't even have things to say because if Sarah hadn't written it we wouldn't have anything to say like none of it would work without um the other aspects of it it's hard because I feel like the performers are like the main thing that you see because obviously when you go to watch it you don't get to see all the people behind the scenes but without all the work that they've done we wouldn't get like we wouldn't be able to do that I think it's easy to think oh what do you what can you do creatively and people straight away say oh acting dancing singing but there's so much like if you're into the creative world but you look at acting dancing and singing and think okay I like acting I like the creative world but these things aren't necessarily the things I want to do there are so many other avenues there's costume designing um, and even at drama school there's so many courses that contribute towards costume design and then there's people who do stage management so Steph is our stage manager and they kind of manage what we do on stage kind of like the whole show making sure everything's up and running they drive us everywhere um and then you've got 
Sarah the writer who wrote the play, you've got Hannah the director who's directed, you've got Hannah Brown who was the assistant director, so who assists the main director in making some choices and they discuss it. So it's very collaborative. Um, and then the music design was done by Ellie and she was fantastic. And so much of what you're going to see tomorrow, for those of you who are going to see it, you will love the music design without a doubt because it's just so vibey, so good and just banging. Um, but yeah, so I think it's so many different components that contribute to making it. Um, so yeah, so there's so many different avenues you can go down if you are interested, but you don't know what specifically you like. And you can do one more than one thing. I love acting, but I also love writing. So you can do more than one thing within the same ballpark of your interest. And say she won! She won!